Good to see everybody. Welcome back or welcome for the first time. It's, it's great to be here. And today what we're doing is we're wrapping up the series on God and politics. And, and so first I'd like to really thank the crew of volunteers who have been really helping to set up today and get ready for today. We uh, unrolled some new equipment and, and or unveiled some new equipment and we are just really excited to be able to do that. So some new tables, new signage, new the front lobby area, a new backdrop decor, and some different things for some of our ministry teams as far as procedures. And so we've been calling this our guest experience refresh. And we just wanted to freshen up things of what we're doing. And we did some evaluating a few months back. And so a lot of the changes came out of just some evaluation. And so thank you for... I mean, this is even some of our, you know, the Christmas offering. We put money towards the guest refresh. Many people helped over weeks of just planning to unveil it all today. And then a handful of people got here super early, extra early, um, to help when our trailer rolled up this morning to just get everything situated. And so thank you to those of you who are part of that. We're really, and we can't do what we do without volunteers. And so this is uh, another great example of that. Uh, my neighbor, I just met a neighbor yesterday, and he he asked me what I did for a living, and I told him I'm a pastor. And there's, there's that awkward moment for me, and uh, I've learned to just keep talking. Don't don't let the silence go for too long. Just keep talking. And and so after we got through the awkward silence, and he asked me where our church meets. I told him up here at the community center, and that got awkward again because that didn't make sense. And so I explained we set up and we tear it down, and then kind of described how when we come here, it's just basically an empty room with bare walls and so it's it's exciting we we've been doing church portably for the since you know a little over eight years we began at a middle school and then now we're over here and so just grateful for the many many people that have served so faithfully so thank you as far as this uh, message series is concerned this is week four and so something i wanted to say is that you can just revisit this series on our website anytime even, you know, October or November, after the election in November, you may want to go back and revisit this just to regain perspective because times are changing and so there's a lot that's going to be going on over the course of this year. Uh, this being week four, you know, we're going to talk about some things this morning that may seem a little extreme. Actually, they are extreme. I'll just be really honest. They're, ex- they're extreme. And so if you're asking, where's the balance in that? Then what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to revisit week one, two, and three in order to... To, to really uh, understand a balance in as we approach this this subject, and so week one we looked at how can we face the worst of what can happen? How do we do that? Really, what it is we place our hope in God continually. We just keep placing our hope in God. Two weeks or week two we looked at how the strength of any society you know lies in their ability to line up with God's truth and to build on God's truth as a foundation. Last week we looked at some real practical ways to be engaged in in seeking the good of the society in which we live in. And today what I want to do is I want to answer this question is what, what do we do after the vote? What should we do uh, come November after the election? What happens if your preferred candidate doesn't win? Or, you know, some of you have extremely strong feelings for specific candidates. Some of you have extremely strong feelings against specific candidates. When it's all over, when it's all said and done, at least with this election, we still have to live under the new authorities. We have to live life under the new authorities that God has put in power. And so we can't just give in 
to frustration or we can't wallow in, in despair. In fact, and, and I want to invite you to pull out this sheet. It's your listening guide for this morning. And at the top it says this. It says, Christ followers honor authority out of loyalty to God. This is really overall perspective for this morning. Christ followers honor authority out of loyalty to God. Honoring authority can be a really hard shift to make when our candidates, you know, the candidate of, of, of your choice is not elected. And, and so a passage near the end of the New Testament provides some real helpful perspective on how to follow the person that's in power. Okay? Now, the book of First Peter, where we're going to be looking, First Peter chapter 2, this is a book that has a couple of themes. Okay? There's these twin themes of hardship and holiness. So you have some hardship that you're experiencing in the Christian life. Peter's writing to the church who's scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. And followers of Christ were living in a world full of opposition. Persecution had already struck the church. People were questioning, why are we suffering? People were being rejected. There was persecution from family. There was persecution from certainly from the government, religious uh, persecution. And Peter, he's encouraging people just to remember that hardship is not outside of God's plan. It's not outside of God's sovereign will. And one day, Christ will return. He will vindicate our suffering. He will avenge all of that hardship. There's this larger picture of what God is doing through hardship. And God is purifying. So there's this hardship theme. There's this holiness theme in the book of First Peter. And so he applies this backdrop to how do you then view the authority and relate to the authority figures in your life. So I want you to look at First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, we'll look through verse 17. It says this. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme. Now the emperor, that's the big dog. You know, that's the, that's the, the chief. That's the, the king. That's like our president. Okay, So be subject, whether it be to the emperor or to governors, the regional leader, as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So this passage, you know, it focuses on you know, doing the will of God, doing good, living rightly within the government structure as a representative of Jesus Christ. You represent, if you're a Christ follower, you represent Jesus Christ. And so there's certain things that are out of bounds because of that. Complaining and arguing. That's, that's out of bounds. What that does, not only does it result in frustration and not really help anything, it only highlights the need that we all have to control what is ultimately out of our control. When things don't go our way, we're tempted to do some things. We're tempted to throw a pity party uh, after the election. It can feel like it's justified even. Here's a, here's a little note. You find this floating on the, on the internet. Go ahead. Have that pity party. It's okay. You know, we feel justified. We feel like we have permission to, to complain about things. However, not everybody wants to be invited to that party. Right? You see the next image here. Your pity party on Facebook should have been created under events so we could have chosen not to attend. Or, you know, to attend or not. Because not everybody wants to hear the complaint. Not everybody wants to be invited to that party. If you go back to verse 17, 
Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. There's this perspective. Whenever we sinfully rebel or start complaining against earthly authorities, we unwittingly proclaim that our hope is in earthly things. If we dishonor the president or other leaders over us, you know, because we don't like what they do, what we do is we show a lack of faith and a lack of really understanding of, of the fact that God is in control, that He is sovereign. God, He helps us to act in a way that we would honor the leaders who are over us because this what He's commanded us to do, but also ultimately we're acknowledging, God, You're the one who's taking care of us. If we obey You, or if we honor You, then we'll obey the authority. We're going to remain loyal to You, God, as we obey the authority. Now, as followers of Christ, we're told to seek the good of the place, the, the society, the country that we live in. However, we need to make sure that we are using good judgment. Sometimes if the, government, if the country is going a certain direction and judgment goes out the window, we still need to be responsible citizens using, using good judgment. The, the basic principle, though, that you, you see here in First Peter is obey civil authority. Unless, now there is the limit, and we're going to get to that. Here's the limit. Unless they set themselves in opposition to, to divine truth, to God's divine laws. Now, in, in other words, and this is in your listening guide, if our loyalty to God is challenged by the government, there's no contest. We choose God. Now, this is the exception for following civil authority. If our loyalty to God is challenged by the government, there's no contest. Now, at one point in history, in, in Israel's history, we looked at this last week, they were taken captive, they were exiled to a foreign land, the land of Babylon, and we talked last week about how Jeremiah the prophet was a man that God was using to give a message to God's people. There were false prophets in the land of Babylon, and as the Israelites arrived there, there's this, it's this dirty place where they are... Um, they're certainly aliens. They're exiles. They're exiled. They're foreigners, and they feel that. And there were prophets there telling them. There were false prophets telling them, "You're not going to be here long." And so God, through Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, tells them, "Look, you're going to be here for a while. This is the message from God. You're going to be here for a while. So build houses, plant vineyards, raise families here. Have have your kids here. Have your grandkids here. Pray, seek the good of this foreign land, the land of Babylon, because." You're going to be there for a while. Now this is important. How do you live in a foreign land if you're exiled? If if this world is is really not your ultimate home, how do you live in this land? Well, pray. Seek the welfare, the good of the the place that you live. Because if if Babylon, what, what, what he's saying, what the prophet's saying, if Babylon, if their welfare is improved, then your welfare is improved. So seek the good. Pray for the good of that Location. Now, if you fast forward just a little in Babylon, we get the story of Daniel. And we get the story of three of his friends. These Hebrew uh, men named Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they're given new names in the new land. Their, their names are, and you might know their names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are three young men who gain influence as, as God allows them to rise in leadership. And in Daniel chapter 3, we see this part of their story. And at this time... There's a king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king over all of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar made a law that commanded all the citizens of Babylon, that included those who were, you know, exiled there. The law was that they were to worship his statue. 
So this is a king on a power trip, okay? I mean, imagine, he's making this image of himself. He wants people to bow down to it. Those who disobeyed were literally cooked. Okay, they were to be incinerated in a furnace. Just imagine yourself. How would you have responded in that situation? So these three teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down. They refused to bow down. They refused to worship this statue. Why? Well, because bowing down and worshiping this statue of this earthly king would have been the ultimate offense to their, to their God. To God, who is holy, to their maker. And so, the first commandment is this. It's, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. They knew that bowing down to this image was a violation of, of this commandment. They couldn't do this. You know, Jesus, if you, you know, New Testament, Jesus says this. When someone asks him, what's the greatest commandment? Or what is, you know, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus' reply is this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Our love and devotion belongs to God. He is the one that, our love for Him should have no comparison. It should just be so, you know, much further above any other love and honor and devotion that we would give. And so, Going back to these three Hebrew men in Babylon, they're told, bow down to this image, otherwise you die. Nebuchadnezzar, he threatens this, that they would be burned alive. And so how would you respond? Look at what happens in Daniel chapter 3, verses 6 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They didn't stop and deliberate. There was, you know, there appears to be no hesitation. Verse 17, if this be so, meaning, here we are, if this is what it has come down to, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Total confidence in God's power to save them at this, you know, but, verse 18, but, if not, Basically, even if He doesn't deliver us from fire and death. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, their civil disobedience was not based on personal preference. It wasn't based on opinion. It was really based on their knowledge of God's law and their own conviction that God is real. God is present. God is, God is in charge. God's with us. And so, we never decide to just disobey civil authority just because we, you know, we have an opinion on the matter. No. But there are times we must choose to disobey in order to remain loyal to our God. If you flip to the back of your listening guide, I want to lay out, when, when do you do that? What are those limits? So here's four. We disobey the government, and this is what I said, this is going to seem extreme, if this is your first message in this series, okay? So there's balance in this perspective, and this is in extreme cases. But we disobey when when the government demands allegiance due to God alone. The government demands allegiance due to God alone. These three Hebrew boys showed us that it's not only our right, it's our duty to disobey when a ruler demands that we serve him over God. 
Now this happens in some countries presently. When the leadership begins to pressure allegiance, and in those rare cases, we cannot comply with those demands. So that's the first. The second is this. We disobey the government when it tries to take over the role of the church. It's hard for us to imagine this kind of thing happening in our country, but some ideologies like communism have outlawed religion altogether. And so, state atheism was the official policy of the Soviet Union and other Marxist-Leninist states. There, There are many stories of courageous Christians who smuggled Bibles or Christian literature who, who do that presently even, into closed countries where it's illegal to take the message of Jesus Christ or to have Bibles. People are courageously um, giving access, giving God's people access to God's Word. Or those who've never heard God's Word or, or Jesus' story, you know, people are bringing that message. Brother Andrew, there's a book called God's Smuggler. He wrote a book about his ministry, his smuggling ministry, which he focused on getting Bibles into the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And then after the Cold War, he shifted towards, he shifted his efforts towards getting Bible into the Middle East. And so, you can pick this, you know, book up. You can read about his life, Brother Andrew. But there are people who, who are actively trying to keep the message of Christ in places where it's, you know, it's, it's illegal. Third, we disobey the government when it restricts freedom of conscience. You know, which is your right to follow your beliefs. Peter and John, good example of this. Peter and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, they were arrested for disturbing the peace. They were preaching about Jesus Christ in front of the temple gates. That was a no-no at that point. And so the authorities wanted to shut these men down. And they wanted to stamp out this message. They tried to eliminate the threat Jesus And so, but now his followers who had seen him resurrected were spreading this message throughout Jerusalem still. And so, Peter and John were taken before the Sanhedrin, the kind of the religious body given authority by the Roman government. They were taken before the Sanhedrin and they were ordered to stop preaching about Jesus. Stop spreading messages about his name. And Peter and John refused to stop. And here's what they said. Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. They're like, we saw. We've seen. We know Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. You be the judge. We we can't submit ourselves any longer to this request. This is what we believe. And Peter and John, they're pace setters here. Whenever the government tries to force a person to violate their conscience, then it must be refused. It, it may seem that our country is like a long way off from stepping in to try to force us to vi- violate our conscience. However, there are several cases right now in our courts, in our country, against Christian business owners who are battling to preserve their right to live and to do business as their conscience um, Encourages them, encourages them. And so there are cases that you may know about. So this, this is becoming more of an issue. The last thing here on this list, we disobey the government when it promotes or becomes the evil that God intends it to restrain. See, in week two of this series, we, we looked at how God has given the government to play a role. The role of the government is to, their responsibility is to serve the good of the people. 
God holds rulers and officials accountable to preserve a way of life and justice and good for a society. Whenever a government becomes the actual instrument of the very thing that it was designed to stop, then again, we must resist that. Now, this isn't on your listening guide, but you may want to think through this. When or if we decide to disobey the government, we should keep two things in mind. If you, if you have to do this, there's two things you want to keep in mind. Number one, we should always begin with the least amount of resistance to accomplish our goal. In other words, don't go nuclear out of rage. That's not in line with what God would want you to do. Instead, wisely choose the most peaceful path, if possible. That's where you start. That's where you would start. And then, so again, the most peaceful path possible. And then second, we should expect to pay the consequences for disobedience. If you have to disobey the authorities, expect to pay for it. You can't think, I'm going to take a stand and then I'm... You know, oh, okay, I'm in line. (laughs) Just testing, just testing. You meant that, okay. I won't do that. No, if you take a stand, then know that you're going to have to take a stand. And you you will likely pay. In the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God did deliver them out of that fiery furnace. The king looked in, they weren't burning up. Hey, they're not burning up. What? Takes them out, God protected them. God protected them. However, for many people in history who have chosen to take a stand in that way, their civil disobedience became the gateway into eternity. That, that was the doorway into eternity with Christ. That was the doorway into heaven for many people through the, through the centuries in Christian history. And so you just need to understand that you just don't rebel from civil authority lightly. Now, with, with nearly every election, we are going to cycle, not just this election, but with every election, we're going to cycle through a range of emotions because of the topics that are being discussed. And as, as we narrow down from a large list of candidates to only a few contenders, and then eventually a winner will be declared, as history shows, new conflicts are going to erupt in our country, wars are going to break out around the world. Our new leader... And the people around them are going to provide or present to us as a country solutions to problems once again. And in the midst of that, though, in the midst of all the ups and downs of the news and what's going on and the solutions that are being presented, we must keep a steady gaze towards the only place where we can look with confidence. And so what do we do? We place our hope in God whose kingdom cannot be shaken. We just keep putting our hope in God. That comes through prayer. It comes through perspective. It comes through action. We put our hope in God whose kingdom can never be shaken. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Some earthly kingdoms were dominant superpowers in history. And it must have appeared that those empires and kingdoms would have never come to an end if you lived in those empires. And we study about them in history, but what has happened to the British Empire, the Spanish Empire, the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, the Egyptian Empire, all of these great empires have been shaken. None of them were impenetrable, right? 
So for us, it can bring us great comfort to know that we are a part of an indestructible kingdom. The writer of Hebrews, he expressed this. He said, Hebrews 12, verses 29 and 30, or 28 and 29, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Even the earth and all that we know, in its present form, will one day be consumed up. And only God's kingdom will remain when the universe is shaken. How grateful for us to be able to live and worship the one true God whose kingdom will last forever. I mean, that is a tremendous privilege. That gives us hope. It gives us perspective. And knowing this, we can do a few things. Number one, knowing this, we can choose an upbeat attitude and we can watch our words intentionally. Out of respect for God, we can be very, very careful with what we say and how we act in these times. And we need to. Out of loyalty to God, and out of perspective that His kingdom will prevail and will last forever and ever. So we don't need to freak out. We don't need to move away. You know, there's all the celebrities that are threatening to leave our country. If, if so-and-so gets elected, you know, these 15 celebrities, Twitter says, are leaving the country, you know, what will that do to our movies if that happens, you know? <laughs> Or others, you know, I'm going to move away. You know, I'm going to move away out of this country. I'm going to move away out of this state, you know. Well, we need to engage as we've been looking at. We need to engage in meaningful ways. We have an active role to play. We want to seek the welfare of the state that we're in, the country that we're in. We want to ask God to turn the country towards His truth and towards His laws. And we want to keep an upbeat perspective in these times. We don't have to get caught up in fear and frustration regardless of what the media says, regardless of what talk radio is, is badgering you with on your drive to work. Drive to work. Do, do not give in to that. Don't follow the tide of disrespect that just flows so freely through our media. We can keep upbeat right now. We can keep hopeful right now. And, so, and if you will do that, this provides a tremendous curiosity as other people are scrambling around in our society, in our world, trying to find their footing, if they see someone who's actually engaging with the issues of today, having meaningful conversations, choosing appropriate ways to be involved, showing respect, that is, that is extremely appealing to people who are confused right now and who are anxious and worried and who don't have the hope that you, that you have. So that's the first thing. And then, and then last, on a daily basis, we go to God's Word not media, for perspective that shapes our attitude. Instead of going to the news the very first thing in the morning, get God's news. Tune into what God says. Get His input first on how we ought to live. Getting, getting, you know, tuning into God, that's probably the only way to really battle and to prepare for the election, and to keep grounded after the election, just continuing to be grounded in God's Word. Because His Word steadies us like nothing else in these times. I want to wrap up with this quote from Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson wrote this, he said, When every political effort of men and their institutions have been, has been frustrated, when the kingdoms of man are utterly impotent, it is then that the power of the kingdom of God in all its glory breaks into the dark, stream of history and it is the citizens of the kingdom of God who carry that light into the darkness which cannot overcome it
May God use us as a church in this community. May God use Christ's followers throughout the world in this time in history to be able to carry His message of life forward into this dark world. He wants to use you in this way. He wants to use us. I want to invite our worship team to join me in a few moments. They're going to lead us in a closing song. and We want to thank you for, for being a part of this series. And If you take out that connection card and maybe finish filling this out, in, in a few moments, our ushers are going to be receiving this morning's tithes and offerings. And if you wouldn't mind dropping this connection card in the basket as it comes by, it lets us know that you were here. gives us a chance to respond to questions that you might have or sign you up for events that are coming up. But on the back side of this card, it says next steps. And here's a way to just apply some points of this morning's message. The first one it says, and this is also on your listening guide, is I'll take this next step of, Show respect towards authorities out of loyalty to God. Maybe you've gotten off course in the way that you've spoken of or interacted with civil authority. And it's that, that actually can really be poisonous for other people. It can be toxic for other people who are trying to live in line with God's truth and, and live in line with the limits that He sets. And so maybe this is an area to just acknowledge, you know what? I need to get back in line in this area. Begin showing respect with my words. And it really, it's... It's acknowledging God's sovereignty as we do that. It doesn't mean you always have to agree with everything going on to be able to follow. There are limits, as we looked at this morning. But showing respect. And then second, base my vote on God's truth, not media or man's opinion. As I prepare for the election, that I would understand the issues of today, what the candidates stand for, how they see the issues, and what does God's Word say about these. And so we handed out a few weeks ago a kind of a summary of the current issues and what the Bible teaches on those. And so I would encourage you, begin studying through those or continue that process. And then come November, base your vote on God's truth. Then last, regarding Easter, invite a friend or a family member to OCC's Easter service next week. This is a tremendous opportunity for us to share about our hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to just invite you to use that use that Easter invite card and hand this to someone and just tell them about what we've got going on this Sunday. There's stuff for kids, for the adults. There's Krispy Kremes and just we're going to have a great time together celebrating and helping people understand the point of the resurrection and how that is really the climax of God's story that He is uh, telling and that we actually get to step into and play a part in. And so a lot of our life comes into focus as we get into the Bible. And a lot of people are asking, what, what, is, what is life all about? What, why am I here? And so we hope to answer that question as we launch a series called Epic Story beginning the week of Easter, going for uh, 10 weeks for us here. And so we're going to walk through the major themes, look at the, some of the key heroes that God used. And what was that story he's telling? What does it point towards? It really points towards Jesus, ultimately his his uh, the climax of the death and his resurrection. And so... I, I hope you'll come and, and, and be a part of that next week. I want to pray and then we're going to receive the offering. Father, thank you for this time we've been able to share together. Would you bless the offering we're about to receive? Lord, help us as we continue to just steward, Lord, the resources you've provided to us. We ask you to help us to extend our reach as a, as a church here in this community. You help us to reach more people who don't yet know you, Lord. Even draw many, many to our church next week for Easter, Lord. Help us, Lord, in our perspective in this specific area of politics, Lord, as we wrestle with it. We want to do 
um, what would be pleasing to you, God. So please show us um, specific areas, God, that we need to respond to you in this week and, and as we head towards even November, Lord. We thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.